This is Mike Dilk of Relax Back UK. Thank you for joining UK Health Radio. My name is Mike Dilk and this is the Relax Back UK show. This show focuses on a particular type of cancer. Now that's melanoma, which is a type of skin cancer. And in particular, it's a melanoma that is associated with a particular gene, which is called the BRAF gene. And when that particular gene misbehaves, now, drugs have recently become available in Scotland. They've been elsewhere for a, a while, I think, and these have been used to help with the, um, the cancer, stop it reappearing after an operation. These are patients who've had local regional spread to local lymph glands, who've had potentially curative surgery. The primary and the lymph glands have been removed, but they remain at high risk of subsequent disease recurrence, which usually is then incurable. So what this has done is reduce the risk of occurrence. So I speak with Professor Jeff Evans of Glasgow University about this treatment. Also, I chatted in, in quite a lot of detail actually with a, a patient who's undergone this treatment while well, he's had the operation and now he's taking the, the medication. Uh, his name is John Hughes. Uh, we talk about his cancer journey and he also speaks a little bit on what to look out for as far as your moles etc on your skin is concerned um, the shape in other words the border outline of that mole if you see it changing or if the color changes or if there's any bleeding or weeping or anything like that uh, the advice is you should get it checked out so welcome to uk health radio and the relax back uk show and please do stick around <laughs> So this show is about treatment for a cancer that is a stage 3 melanoma. Uh, melanoma is a type of skin cancer, but stage 3 means that it's, it's progressed and it's gone from skin further into the body. And it's a melanoma that's caused by um, a particular gene that has a mutation, and that gene is called the BRAF gene. So that it's about drugs that uh, patients will take after the operation to remove the cancer once it's gone from the skin further into the body and the idea is that taking this drugs taking this drug uh, actually there's two drugs taking these drugs will make it less likely that the cancer will return so for these particular patients this you know this is this is good news um, I started off by speaking with Professor Jeff Evans and he is professor of translational cancer research at the University of Glasgow and I started off um, with a, a general question of actually what is translational research? It uh, covers a multitude of approaches going from bench to bedside but also asking questions in the laboratory from uh, clinical observations so it's an iterative process that goes bi-directionally from basic science through to clinical application. Okay, and that's really where we're at now. You're at a clinical application with a new way of uh, treating uh, a particular sort of skin cancer. So what, what's the sort of skin cancer that you've been having success with in Scotland just now? Yes, it's not specific to Scotland. This latest uh, study is a global study in which we and many others around the globe participated on. So it's been known now for almost a decade that there's a class of drugs that will target a specific gene mutation 
which is seen in approximately 50% of melanomas. Uh, we know that these have made a striking improvement in patients with advanced disease, advanced inoperable disease that has metastasized or spread, and that these two drugs together, an inhibitor of BRAF and an inhibitor of MEK, two complementary signaling pathways, can uh, reduce tumors and improve overall survival in the advanced disease setting. Okay, what is new in this latest piece? I was going to ask you, you, you mentioned BRAF and something else there? MEK. Look, those are genes, are they? That will, will some people have a mutated form of those genes? Uh, the BRAF will be mutated in about 50% of patients. We may not see necessarily mutations in the MEK gene, but we may see that the pathway is amplified, and therefore inhibiting the two pathways together is superior to inhibiting one. And what is new in the current research is we've taken that information from patients with advanced disease and then applied it to what we call stage three disease. These are patients who've had local regional spread to local lymph glands, who've had potentially curative surgery. The primary and the lymph glands have been removed, but they remain at high risk of subsequent disease recurrence, which usually is then incurable. So what this has done is reduce the risk of recurrence uh, and, and delay the time to recurrence and improve the 12-month survival. And with longer follow-up, we anticipate that this will improve overall survival as well. Okay, right. So the, it, it seems to be uh, working, stopping the thing recurring after an operation. Is, is that more or less the summary? That is more or less the summary in those with stage 3 disease, which is, implies that there's involvement of the local or regional lymph glands, not just the primary tumour. Okay, and what is what actually is the treatment? What what does the patient have to do? What form does it take? So both the mutations are or uh, both the medications are oral, and therefore patients take tablets every day for up to twelve months, and and that was the uh, experimental arm in the recent clinical trial that's been reported, and uh, compared to placebo, and therefore this is now been licensed in many territories across the world. What's happened recently is this has been approved for funding in Scotland and therefore this becomes available as a potential treatment for patients with resected stage 3 disease who carry the mutation with oral medication daily for up to 12 months. Right, okay. So is carrying the mutation, is that just kind of genetic bad luck or can you cause... No, it's not. This is not an inherited gene. This is, this is not a germline mutation. This is not a gene that's inherited. This is a gene that becomes mutated specifically within the melanoma cells, not in the remaining cells in the body. And that specifically is part of the process by which melanomas develop uh, in behalf of the patients who eventually develop this disease. Okay. So, you know, so the, this, this is exposure to sun, etc., these kind of things that can cause the, the problem? Well, uh, the, the potential risk factors for melanoma are well described, and they do include intermittent sun exposure. Uh, the, the risk factors for why some get uh, BRAF mutations, some don't, are not so tightly uh, bound to some of those risk factors. But we know that what that mutation does it confers almost as if the tumor cells are addicted to that particular signaling pathway. And given the dependence of the tumors on that signaling pathway, then inhibiting that pathway can have quite significant potential patient benefit. 
Okay. All right. So, and so the patients have to take drugs. Are there any side effects in particular? Yes. Um, every medication has side effects. So the potential side effects of debrafidum and trametinib include uh, fever, fatigue, skin rash, diarrhea, and occasionally the mechanhibitors can cause weakness of heart muscle uh, and high blood pressure. But these are generally mild and well tolerated and easy to manage. Okay, so really, it's it's pretty good news for these patients in that it's easy to take the medication. You take some pills, and the side effects are relatively minor. The side effects we wouldn't dismiss the fact that patients who have to take medication for a year um, is not without uh, toxicities, but it's a reasonably well tolerated combination. And yes, it offers a potential new therapeutic option in resectase stage 3 in those specifically this mutation, which is a new treatment approach. At the same time, we're also now becoming aware that some of the immunotherapy studies are now becoming positive in patients with resectase stage 3 disease, and that's independent of BRAF uh, status. And therefore, it's encouraging that the uh, exciting results we've seen in advanced stage four melanoma can now be extrapolated back to earlier stage, stage three, with a potential bigger impact on overall survival. Excellent. Okay, so if people are listening to this and they're interested, or you know they have a a family member or or a, a loved one that's potentially um, affected by this, where where can they get more information? Well, if patients who um, are in that particular subgroup of melanoma will benefit, and that's patients who had a resectase stage three disease. And the medication has to be started within a reasonable time frame from the surgery, not many years down the line. At that point, there'd be no evidence it would be beneficial. So these patients will be almost certainly seeing either surgical or oncology colleagues within the hospital setting for management of their stage three disease and recent resection. And that's something their oncologists will be able to discuss with them. Okay, all right. Professor Evans, I know you're an extremely busy guy and you need to go. So thank you very much for just explaining that to us and chatting to uh, us about that now. Thank you. My pleasure. Please do remember that if you've got any questions or comments about any of the topics on the Relax Back UK show, you can ask the questions or make the comments on my blog. And the blog is on the website. The website is relaxbackuk.com. Now on that same website, relaxbackuk.com, you can ask to try out a back app chair. This is just if you're in the UK. And the back app chair is an ergonomic chair. And if you think it might help you with your back pain or your poor posture while you're sitting at your desk, all you do is click on the button uh, the try out a back app chair button fill in the details and i will contact you and uh, take care of the rest make sure that happens for you now shortly we're going to be hearing from a, a patient who's been going through the cancer treatment process that we've been talking about and we'll get the full story from how he was diagnosed through to the operation through the taking of the the, the, the drugs to prevent the cancer recurring <laughs> Okay. We're now going to chat to 
John Hughes. Now he's, he's a cancer patient and he's been through the process of having an operation and he's now taking the drugs to prevent the cancer returning. And so my first question to him was, uh, what is the cancer that you have been uh, receiving your treatment for? Yeah, it's a, it's a stage three melanoma. Okay. So that would originally be a skin cancer. Uh, that's stage one. When it starts to penetrate under the skin, that's stage two. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't I didn't know I had any of that, and and indeed we've never found, uh, despite all the examinations and tests, we've never found the um, site of the original melanoma, which would be the primary source of the cancer in medical terms. So that gave the doctors treating me an awful lot of concern because they like to know where the original source of the cancer was. But I once it... Imagine um, that, does that, that helps in the treatment or possible operation? Well, yeah, because they, they would normally operate on the skin first and, and then do the tests to find out how far it's moved. But in my case, um, we had no choice but to just carry on with the CT scans and all the other rafts of tests. Um, just to let you understand, the, the way I found it, I mean, really quite lucky because I'd had no symptoms. I hadn't had any illness whatsoever. But after a day of particularly heavy digging and moving heavy slabs in my garden, uh, I, was, I had a sore chest and I was rubbing my sore chest and found a lump in my left armpit. Right. Okay. And that lump was, once I'd had the biopsy done, and that was analysed, it was confirmed that that was a stage 3 melanoma, which meant my condition was very serious indeed. Okay. Which, so it, to it begin with, was hard to grasp. It was yeah, it was difficult to get my head around that because it, it just seemed so unreal. But that's what it was. Okay. Now, so th just um, for, for other listeners, uh, you yep. may know this now, although you, you missed it at the, at the time, if you'd seen it, or in other patients, what might this melanoma on the skin actually look like? It would be um, potentially like a mole, but there are some tests that they do, um, you know, they, they, they give you some guidance on it. If um, the shape, in other words, the border outline of that mole, if you see it changing, or if the colour changes, or if there's any bleeding or weeping or anything like that, uh, the advice says you should get it checked out. Right. Okay. So for anyone, if you've got any of those things and you're, and you're listening, yeah, just just get it checked out. Is probably the story yes. to take from that. Yeah, the, the advice to take from that. Okay. Yeah. So you, you you found this lump. Presumably, you yep. went straight to the doctor. Fortunately, yes. The temptation was there to hope it was nothing serious and it was just muscular and it would go away, but I didn't. I didn't like the feel of it. So yes, I did go to the doctor as soon as I found it. Okay, and so take us through the, the, the process, kind of your treatment story from that time. Certainly, yeah. The, the GP in my local surgery obviously had a little um, feel, wasn't sure exactly what it was, reassured me it may be nothing serious, which is a, an understandable first step, but he immediately referred me um, to the local hospital to have an ultrasound done. So the ultrasound is basically the same technology they use for baby scans. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's not intrusive at all. You know, they, they literally, it just shows up images on the screen to, to give them some idea of, of what this lump is. Uh, and the person doing that test obviously wasn't 
comfortable with what he saw, and I was immediately then referred uh, to a general surgical consultant, first of all, um, and to have a biopsy done, okay. which means just literally taking a sample um, of the, the lump from under the skin, which so then was, goes to the detailed analysis. Done on, a, on a day visit? Literally, it was a, an outpatient appointment, yes. Okay. So no, uh, and again, I, sorry, Mike. Was was there any anaesthetic, a local anaesthetic, or no, no, no anaesthetic? It, it was. How can I describe it? It's basically it's like a fancy syringe that that just punches into the lump and extracts, um, you know, a, a small tissue sample. So there was a short, sharp shock, but no real pain. So no, there was no anaesthetic involved. Right, and so then. That went off for analysis. What happened then? Yes. Um, I was then called for an appointment to see the, the surgeon consultant to find out the results of the, the biopsy. Uh, and that was when I was first told, uh, a little bit vaguely, to be honest, but I, I was told that, that there was a serious problem there and I would need to be referred to other specialists. So I, I was then referred to a plastic surgery specialist um, but at the same time that that was happening, I was also having appointments come through to to go for a CT scan because the CT scan would obviously um, show whether there was any cancer anywhere else in the body. Okay, right. Um, they needed to know that as well as trying to find the primary source of the cancer so they could decide whether an operation was possible to treat this cancer because if it had been stage four, rather than stage three, that would have meant it had already spread wider in the body and surgery probably wouldn't have been an option. Fortunately right. for me, the tests all showed that at the moment it was contained in the lymph nodes in my left armpit. So surgery was you know, basically arranged as a matter of urgency. That was a fairly major procedure. That, that was obviously general anaesthetic, four hours on the operating table. Yeah. Um, and they removed... There's about 22 lymph nodes in that armpit, and although only two of them had tumours, they removed all of them to try and be sure that they were getting rid of the cancer. Okay. What, what was the time frame from your, your kind of digging, doing the digging, and then feeling the yep. lump through to this operation? Approximately. Um, it was about the last week in April when I first found it. Yeah. Uh, I had the ultrasound round about the 6th of May. I then had two weeks holiday in Lanzarote, so I didn't get the biopsy done until two or three days after I got back from a holiday. So that, that was about the 6th of June. Mm -hmm. There were then all the other tests and things that had to be done. So I was taken in for surgery on the 22nd of August. Okay. I mean, that's still, that, I mean, that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, that, that is, that is very quick, very good indeed. Yeah. I mean, that, that does underline how, extraordinarily fantastic the NH is. NHS is really, doesn't it? Yes. And I mean, it's my first real experience uh, of, you know, needing the NHS because the only other time I had to have surgery was when I snapped my Achilles tendon. You know, that, that was, a, if you like, although a serious injury, it was a straightforward injury. And, and you know, I had a, 
immediate operation, you know, to repair the tendon. So the two occasions when I've needed the NHS, they've very much been there for me. Yeah, we love the NHS. Good. <laughs> All right. So you had your major major operation four hours yep. on the slab. I mean, that, yes, that is, you know, some some operations are longer, but four hours. That's not, you know, that's not minor. How long did it take no, you to come from that? And I I knew that, um, you know, the 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 surgeon told me what was going to need to be done because they do that these days. They don't leave you in the dark, I think, the way they used to in the past. So it was a bit scary. I was a bit frightened of the, the whole thing, but um, it all went well. So, you know, that, that, that was certainly a, a huge relief. In terms of recovery time, uh, I was in hospital for a full six days uh, and the operation required a surgical drain, which I'd never had in my life before. So this tube was basically sticking out my chest and you know taking away any build up of fluid that was there from the operation and I had to have that in for five weeks before it finally settled down enough that we could get it out so that was a pretty uncomfortable five six weeks I can imagine yeah so so that, that was five or six weeks of recuperation as well presumably you couldn't do that much well I couldn't really start to properly recuperate until I'd finally to my relief got the drain out then it was easier to get a bit of sleep at night go for short walks and stuff like that. So, yeah, and, and it also allowed me, I, I play quite a bit of sport. So once the drain was out, I was able to um, get across to my indoor bowl centre and play some indoor bowls. Okay. And then another sort of four weeks after that, I felt fit enough and well enough to, to tackle my first uh, game of golf. Brilliant. God, that, that is amazing, actually. Well done. Yeah. So, one thing you mentioned, you said you've seen a plastic surgeon. So did the surgery yeah. involve, you know, some rebuilding as well? No, I believe it, it was done by the plastic surgery unit because these lymph nodes, and this was why I was lucky, um, they're just sort of under the skin. Okay. As opposed to being organs that are deeper within the body. Okay. So I think that's why it's hard because the, the plastic surgery um, unit and the consultants handle all sorts of trauma injuries as well. But they also do that type of, of operation. Okay, oh, I, I understand. So it was, wasn't yeah. a case of rebuilding. It was a case of no. Okay, that, I mean, I was left with about left with about a six seven inch circular scar in my armpit, which uh, has been healing remarkably well. So yeah, the, no, there was no no reconstruction or anything like that required. Excellent. All right. So now we come on to kind of what what this um, part of the the program is all about it in many ways. You're on the drugs to stop yeah. this thing coming back. What's, yeah, tell us about that. Okay, I mean, first of all, the bad news, it, there's no guarantee it will stop it as such, but what, it, what the oncologist, because that was the next thing that happened, about the end of October, I had my first appointment with the oncologist at the Beetson Centre in the west of Scotland mm -hmm. to discuss this, um, you know, follow-up treatment that, that would seriously reduce the likelihood of the melanoma coming back because melanomas are particularly i'm told bad for um coming back again okay you know so when it was explained to me that um you know there was basically it was it was a choice of either attend the hospital fortnightly for the, the drugs to be administered intravenously which was something that that you know would have been pretty uncomfortable for me because i don't have the kind of veins that that easily accommodate a drip. Okay. 
But fortunately, there was the option, although it hadn't yet been fully approved by the Scottish government, it was close to being approved, and that was to take the medication in tablet form basically twice a day, every day for 12 months. So was this a different that, medication, the, the, the drip or the tablets? I think it does the same thing. Okay. It, they both treat this, um, the, the thing you mentioned, the BRAF mutated genes that cause the melanoma cells to reoccur. And this medication tackles the, the specific uh, genes in the body that cause that switching on of the cancer and they basically switch it off right. so it's uh, it's a pretty sophisticated it's not like you know the the old chemotherapy you hear about which is basically used to kill any cancer cells that are present in the body this is actually stopping them from forming in the first place that's that's the way i understand it's supposed to work in right. layman's terms and, and also as, as as a drug goes um you know the old old, old treatments well, actually, some of them used now have some pretty serious side effects. Yeah. Tell us about there that. Are side, there are side effects with this medication. Um, not everybody has them. Um, there's no telling how frequently you'll have them. Um, I would say that the most consistent one I've had is it, it, I'm normally quite energetic you know, and very active, and I'm having to take it easy because I find that I, I, I just feel more tired than normal most of the time uh, and some you know pretty severe aches and pains mainly in my legs so you know as side effects go you know i can live with that sure. uh, on two on two occasions it's uh, i've had episodes with what they warn you is the most likely one and that's basically symptoms of high fever so it's flu like symptoms and when I realized that it might not be actual flu and it might be, you know, the medication. When I phoned the hospital, they gave me advice and basically we just stopped the medication for a day on the first occasion, two days on the second occasion, and everything settled down and I restarted the medication again. So there's lots of help and support there for you as you're actually taking this. So if you have side effects, they want you to report them so they get a picture of, you know, how patients are reacting to them, but you also get help on how to deal with it. Okay. And how long will you be taking these drugs? I mean, are you taking these drugs forever now? How does that work? No, it's a 12-month course of treatment. So I started them 4th of November, so I'll, I'll be due to end them first week in November this year. Okay. And now, after, after that, I believe you then go into the normal sort of um, you know, cancer program of periodic scans to check that the cancer's not coming back. All right. So what happens if they find it's coming back? I don't know. I don't think we would discuss that unless and until it happens. So the, I think the hope is that after the treatment, I mean, the, to give you an idea, the numbers that I was given by the oncologist, uh, this type of malignant melanoma, the chances of it recurring for most patients is between 50 and 60%, which is very high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the research on this medication shows that um, for the majority of patients, the, the likelihood actually reduces from that to about 15 to 20%. Okay, so that's a good reduction. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's worth having. It made the decision um, for me relatively straightforward. You know, you just 
risk the side effects and hope for the best because it's it's clearly something that it's in your own best interests absolutely so something we didn't uh, touch on is the actual taking of the drugs so that's something yep. you have to do every day do you have like do you rattle i mean have you got loads of pills to take what what's, uh, it's, what's not, the it's not too bad i'm basically on two different drugs that work with each other so one is uh, is called tafinlar and that's the one that I take, I take twice a day. So I take two little capsules in the morning with water. And then as close as possible to 12 hours after that, I take another two of those and I take one of the other little tablet, which is called Mechanist. Very good. All right. So actually, it's not too much of a chore. You know, there are plenty of people that take more tablets. You have, to, you have to work around this, trying to keep them as near as possible, 12 hours apart. And also, you either have to take them, let me get this right, uh, one hour before eating or two hours after eating. So it's a little bit of a juggle, but, you know, you just keep a note of what you're doing and you can you can do that okay. Yeah, excellent. And, he, and have you been given advice on you know, generally healthy food to have during this phase or anything like that? Not so much because I, I've been a Weight Watcher on and off for the last 30 or more years. So I tend to eat fairly healthy. I did ask for advice about alcohol because I do like a couple of beers. Mm-hmm. And, and basically the advice was as long as you stick to drinking in moderation and don't overdo it, you should be fine. So that so far has been okay. Excellent. All right. Well, th- th- this sounds like um, a success story in the making. So thank you for sharing it with us. Um, You're welcome. One other little piece of news for you. I mean, obviously, I uh, will still be getting periodic CT scans during this treatment and, and just recently had the first one since the surgery. Um, and the good news is that at the moment, there is no cancer there. I'm clear. So that that will you know we'll just continue to test that. I think it's every three months. So, all right. Well, that's that's, that's, that's very good news. Um, is is there kind of a, a patient group or a support group that you're in touch with um, for this? I, I, I'm not. I'm not personally. No. I mean, what I did do in in the early stages, you know, I was trying to come to terms with the enormity of this thing. Uh, I did drop in to see one of the cancer charities that that are on site. At the at the Beetson Hospital, and they were tremendously helpful. They even had you know a psychologist on site who spent fifteen minutes just chatting to me because I would say the psychological impact when you first get the diagnosis is probably harder to deal with than the physical. It's a real shock. It just turns your life upside down. Sure. What which, which uh, charity was that you were chatting with? That was uh, Maggie's. Right. You know, I had a feeling you were going to say that. I've spoken to people with Maggie's, um, at Maggie's before, and I've been really impressed yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. They were very, very friendly and very helpful. And I've got, you know, the open invitation to drop in any time. I must admit, now that I've sort of, you know, I'm further into the process and I've had more time to, if you like, get used to dealing with this, I, I don't quite feel so upset or in need of it, but it's nice to know they're there if, right. if I have a wobble. Yeah, yeah. So- and... and, and the team that's treating me are tremendously supportive as well. You know, when I go and see them from a regular monthly appointment, they, they you know, they're, they're basically asking me how things are going and making sure I'm okay. Good, good. So um, would you have advice 
for well two things really Pe people that are going through this what advice would you give them and also if they want to find out it, i mean it sounds like you've found out you you know you've researched this and found out some good information so you know what's happening and why um you know resources that people might uh, look at for that well I, a word of caution one the, the the episode that prompted me to have to go to maggie's and get a little bit of counseling was me trying to do a little bit of research into the two different types of treatment so the intravenous versus the pills because i knew that i would prefer the pills but i didn't want to just make the decision based on that so i would say a word of caution here I tried to do the research myself on the internet and I found all manner of, of scary, frightening information about melanomas that I didn't really want to read. So Probably a lot of disinformation as well. Nothing is to say that what you found was correct. Yeah. So I would say be careful. I, I mean, when I told them at the hospital that I'd done that, they said, yeah, you know, it's an easy trap to fall into. You'll, you, you know, it's hard to just get the information you want and you'll see stuff you don't want to see. So I would say be very careful. But the information has come to me through, you know, the consultants that I've seen, the fact that they will answer my questions and, and explain things. And also the, um, I got a patient pack from the drug company, which basically, um, you know, gives a lot of advice and information about the different type of side effects and, and even things like a cough. I would never have dreamt that that could be a side effect from that medication, but it is. So the, the, you do get given information that helps you. So I would just say make use of, of the NHS specialists because they're, they're very good, but they won't always volunteer the information. So if you're curious, if you're not sure, I would say ask because that's basically what I've done. In, if, engage fully with the team that's looking after you. That sounds like yes. the way to go. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. All right. Well, look, John, I, I wish you the best of luck in the Thank coming you. months and um, get back to playing golf. I certainly hope so. I, I, we were out yesterday and played um, played 11 holes in that beautiful weather. So, and, and I think as well as the weather gets better and I'm, becoming a bit more active because during the winter months there wasn't an awful lot I could do and I didn't feel like doing much anyway but I'm sure the weather will um, give me back my enthusiasm so we'll get there I hope. Yeah excellent all right well look, thank you so much for chatting I think people will find that story not only interesting but you know useful if they're going through the same thing uh, so yeah I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat so thanks John. Thank you very much to my guests on the show this week and they were Professor Jeff Evans, Professor of Translational Cancer Research at the University of Glasgow, and John Hughes, who is a cancer patient. And also, of course, thank you to you for listening. That was Mike Dilk of Relax Back UK. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next time.